Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the People Processes Podcast. I'm Rami Alijil, and today I am so excited to bring you Sue Salvamini. She is an author, speaker, executive leadership coach. She helps leaders and teams align their work with their core values for maximum impact and fulfillment. She is also the founder and president of Focal Point Consulting Group. She founded it in 2016, and she is passionate about helping individuals connect with their authentic leadership style and love the work they do. She wrote a book. It came out in May 2018. It's called Leadership by Choice, Seven Keys for Maximizing Your Impact and Influence in the Workplace, right where you are. And it draws on her over 25 years of experience in the corporate world and in the military to give those great lessons. Sue, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Rami. It's great to be here today. Well, Sue, I always start with this. Not many people dress up as eight-year-olds as uh, business consultants or advisors. It's just not something they they think they're going to be when they grow up. So how on earth did you go from uh, your your start in this career up to where you are now? What's your journey like? Oh, it's a great question. And and it was such a, it's been such a great journey and it's still very much a journey. But, um, you know, I, I was in the military. So right out of college, I, I was in the army as an officer mm. and in leadership roles at a very early age. And from the military, I then had the great privilege to work in medical device sales, uh, working in operating rooms. And over the years was through Johnson and Johnson gradually moved from sales representative to manager, to leader and led teams and whatnot. Mm. And fast forward a few, a few, iterations and companies moving from the big corporate company right down to the ground level startup company, um, I came to a crossroad when my startup company was being acquired and I had to pause and say, okay, so what do you want to be when you grow up? Now that you're about 20 plus, we go 20 plus, we never say anything over plus, (laughs) 20 (laughs) plus years in. And I could very easily have stayed in this amazing world of medical device technology and startup companies, which I loved. But I just sat down and got real with myself. And I I did what I do is I, I became very prayerful. I gave myself a real month to just really dig deep and um, get real with what my strengths were, what my passions were, you know, what my mm-hmm. vision for my myself, my family, and, and a greater vision for the world was. And it all bubbled down to I've always loved people, leading and working with people and leading and working with leaders. And I love speaking and training and coaching. And it was really literally one morning at like 6am after days of lots of thought and reflection that it came to me, follow your dream, follow your heart and go work to help people be exceptional at what they do. And the, the vision for Focal Point was formed. And I got goosebumps that morning. I get goosebumps, as I'm telling you right now. And it was just crystal clear that, that my passion and my heart and my, my God-given talents were around working with individuals and teams and helping them realize how great they are and how great they can be and, and then and, and go out and help make that happen. And, and so I wanted to, that's, that's really where it started. You know someone's in the right job when when they talk about it, you feel like they have the coolest job in the world. Like the, how lucky you are to have oh. that job. Of course, it was a heck of a journey to get there, but but like when you talk about what you do, it's like, man, I want to be that when I grow up too. Oh, fun! That's 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 exactly. It is it. the best job so, in the world, course, Rami. I have to tell you. 
<laughs> so now you're in this position. You've got focal point. You're advising clients. Uh, you're well established. But I know along the way there had to be some pretty low lows. And a lot of our clients are, a lot of our listeners are starting off their companies and they're just getting into this world of scaling and growing teams. Some of them are in in the position you were in, executives in larger companies, and they're thinking about jumping ship, right? I ask my 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 uh, interviewees to tell us about the worst experience they've had with entrepreneurship and tell us that story really take us there so that we can relive it with you. And then we can talk a little bit about what some of the lessons learned. Super. Well, it's a great question. And uh, wow, there's so many, but I, I do have a motto. You sort of fail forward to success. And, and the sooner you stumble, mm-hmm. the, the greater, the greater you'll be. So I think... Every good entrepreneur I talk to is just like, God, how just, do I pick? Right? Just, I mean, there's no, there's no like, oh, there was that one time I made a mistake. No, that's you not know how it's it going to happen. So you just got to run close. If you, the faster you run towards it happening, the faster you can say, okay, now that one's done. Um, so it's exactly. funny, you know, when you start your own business, there's obviously the passion and the fire in your belly, and you have this vision, and then there's the reality of the economics of it. And you know, in some cases, you know, for me, this was going to be and was my income. I wasn't doing a bridge thing. It was, this was it. Um, so yeah, Short so runway. You, 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 failure is not an option, which is actually a good motto because you don't then look to, for that safety net. However, in a different way, you do find right. safety nets and this contributes to my biggest um, challenge and failure. And I, I'll say failure lightly because it, it all contribute to where, contributes to where I am today. Um of course, failures are only failures. If you exactly. Stop there, right. But I, can't, I haven't figured out a better no, way to figure I know. out. No, this it's great. I, I love it. I want, and it, but, it makes me think. So thanks <laughs> on only one cup of coffee, but it's good. So what happens is naturally, you know, I'm building the business and I'm trying to get clients and my natural work was in medical devices, sales and technology and, and startup. So I had a lot of um, contacts that knew me for that. And, and natural people were reaching out to me to help them with different ideas and whatnot. So I took on some clients mm-hmm. to do that. And, and, but that was not still truly following my, what I was desiring, which was building a very strong coaching um, and leadership development, leadership training business. But I took these clients on and I rationalized that this was the finances that was going to fund my ability to do mm-hmm. and to follow my greater passion. That I don't think was a mistake. That was a very intentional, thoughtful um view I had of it. Yes, I had Pragmatic. to be I, and I had yeah. to, you know, I talk a lot about core values and not just the surface values, but really understanding why you're doing something and what how it's serving your greater your greater vision and purpose. So I knew unequivocally in selecting this work that it was filling one of my swim lanes in my company, which was consulting, and it was also some income. So I embraced it and I loved these clients. I, I love working with them and I love the work and the work was easy for me. This is what I'd done for 20 plus years. <laughs> um, so here's the obstacle though. What happened is not too long into it, I was doing a lot of this work that I did so well, and I cared deeply about these clients. We were, you become friends, you, you work so closely. And then I would do mm-hmm. my work that was bridging more of the direction I wanted the company to go, which was coaching and leadership programs. And on a purely economic comparison, the ROI on the work I was doing was completely mm-hmm. disproportionate to the work that I was wanted to be doing more of. 
Okay. I mean, to like 10 X less. So I was putting in 20 and 30 hours for a consulting role with a medical device startup that was essentially paying me for about five, but it just required that much more work, even though it was easy, but it was easy for me. So I didn't really calibrate that it was work. The gist of it is, is I under, I was a little fearful to leave that, but I didn't know how to say no. And when it got real for me, and so I consider Mm -hmm. it not so much a fail, it was, it was a failure. It was a great learning moment because I got a new client for coaching and it became crystal clear. And the more I worked with my coaching clients and the work I was doing, and I saw the impact and I would lead a workshop and see the impact. And I looked at the time it took me to invest in that and the, both the return from mostly what my clients were experiencing And my personal satisfaction doing it and the economic return was completely disproportionate to the other work that was now, unfortunately, was taking me away from my ability to do more of this coaching and leadership training. And so I had to make a decision and I had to slowly migrate away from this type of work. And I think what happened was, in hindsight, had I done that or been able to make that, see that so clearly sooner and make that jump sooner, my work and my ability to have an impact and influence and both and also grow my business, I would have been even further along than the business is now. You know, I mean, it was a necessary part on mm-hmm. one level, but I held on too long. It was just, it was a real, and, and, you know, I have a coach, I believe in coaching. So my coach would, you know, gently coach me around. So what is it you're holding on to, you know, and it was a safety net. So the very thing I said that I tried to like run from, right. which is, you know, know that there's a safety net, but run from your safety net because you need to elevate your business and move forward towards your dream. You've thought of it. You've, you know, there's a plan. There was a business plan. This isn't just a vision for myself. I had a very strict business plan. I deviated from it mm-hmm. because it was comfortable. And because I didn't want to let a client down. I mean, one of my core values deeply is the interaction and relationship I have with my clients. And um, it was the very thing that was, you know, an area of of conflict. But the, you know, from a business perspective, I held on to something that was not yielding both financially the right return. And even on a deeper level, it wasn't fueling the direction of the company appropriately. And I lingered in making that observation Right. And then making a decision. There are a few lessons I kind of take from that. Um, the first one is kind of the the one you already had, which I get this question a lot from um, uh, people in jobs that they hate, right? Like, hey, Rami, I really want to leave and start my own company. I want to go out and do my thing. But I've got a wife and two kids and a mortgage. And like, I've, you know, I've got enough money saved up that we could go like two months without a paycheck. And then, you know. And I tell them, you can't. Yeah. Right. You, you do have a responsibility. You, you, the things you know that you've committed to, you still have to do. And so, you can't just roll, you know, go to the casino and roll it all and uh, and, and gamble it all. So, first of all, of course, have a plan, all those kind of things. But don't be afraid to, you know, you have to pra- you have to think pragmatically to a degree. You can't go out of business because you refuse to do some work that doesn't pay quite right. as well isn't exactly what you want. On the other hand, and this is the bigger lesson, and I see this in a lot of, it comes across in a lot of ways. In your case, it was getting rid of kind of a line, a business uh, product effectively that was relatively underperforming and not fulfilling. But it happens in a lot of different ways. You may have a client that you like that does that you're doing the thing you're supposed to do, but 
they're not a good fit. They cost you significant sums, but you have to, you have real trouble making that hard decision to let that client go. Maybe it's about an employee. Maybe it's about a product line. Like you said, as a, as a business evolves over time, you're going to wind up adding and subtracting product lines. And the number, I will say probably one of the biggest killers of those businesses that make it past that first year or two that I see is they just add lines and they never yes. drop any, Yes, right? They're just like, I'm going to do this too, and this too, and this too. And then they know that the things they did three years ago, not what they should be doing now, but they can't just tell the client, they can't let the employee go who's responsible for it, or they can't um, let the client know, look, you're going to have to find someone else to do this. Uh, we talk with a lot of CPAs who are in the tax world, and they maybe they've been doing tax returns for 20 years, but in the last three years, they've gotten much more into like CFO financial work. And they have a slew of old clients who just send them their tax forms in February and are like, go get it done. And they know it's not that profitable. They know it's not what they want to do. It kills their soul, but they just are afraid yes. to, to let that part die. And well, I think thanks. you've given it's, a great you example know, It's the constant quest, uh, and, and it's funny. I find this with a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs and it, it, the the financial the the energy around finances can be so so funky you know because some people view if i if it's not financially smart does that make me a bad person that i want to get rid of something because it's a good thing to do but it's not serving the business and i help people mm. come back to but if you don't have an economically sound model then you can't fulfill what you're supposed to be doing and serving the people in the greater goodness. So there's there's actually Absolutely. a financial a fiduciary responsibility to yourself and your company to say no to some of these product lines so that you can do and fulfill the greater the greater cause. You know it's actually very smart. Absolutely. And as you scale, yeah, and as you scale your company and you have employees relying on you or contractors whose livelihood depends on yes, you, yes. you have to be profitable. Mm -hmm. You have to be profitable and you have to be pretty dang profitable because Things will hit you. Like we had a big hit in February and I had to cut a check. I mean, I had to cut a check for yeah. $40,000 that month. And, wow. and since then we've spent <laughs> wow. another eighty just fighting it. And it's like, yeah, you think that wasn't in the budget. <laughs> but if you don't have a, yeah. And it's, and, and you can't, you cannot put yourself in the position as an entrepreneur or even as a department executive where your budget is so tight, your margin is so slim. That if the client asks you to go that extra step that really isn't in the con, eh, you can't do it. Exactly. No, no, no. We'd, we'd, we'd go out of business if we did that. You got to have the flexibility to make, to, to answer the client needs, to help your employees out, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. take a hit, a hard hit and keep going. Otherwise, you're never going to make it. Right. And you won't be any good to the people that you, that you want to serve. You know, right. You, you've, if, if in my business as a payroll company or an HR company or a benefits company, we have to be there. We right. have to be there 10 years from now. Right. I cannot allow myself to, to discount something across the board to the degree that like, uh, guys, if, if I get hit hard or you got, or there's a screw up, um, we, we won't be in business. I can't allow that. We get audited and we're rated on like how we got to make sure we have a lot of money. Right, in the bank. right. It's an advantage. You should go with us because we're, I promise, we charge you right. So, so, but that's, it's, you, you got to switch to that mentality. And uh, it's a really hard one for people who move from that technician role that I do a job for an hourly wage yes, to I'm yes. building a long lasting business that has that sustainability. 
Well, I think those are some really cool lessons from your story. I'd love to kind of move forward now. Now you're, you, here you are, you've got a, a successful company growing. You've got a great book. What's got you excited and jumping out of bed in the next six months? What have you got coming up? Oh, I'm super excited. Got so much. Out? That's my, I'm so excited. So I have in the next month, I'm um, heading to Louisville. I'm going to be a keynote speaker for an event for a bunch of younger or not younger necessarily, newer CEOs and executives in, in different nursing uh, um, different nursing groups. So I was asked to come out and speak to them mm. about sort of different leadership, rallying their team, motivating their team, running effective meetings, which sounds so parochial, but it really isn't. When you get to the executive level, it's really critical mm -hmm. and there's no one size fits all. So I'm super excited about this program. Um, I'm, I just finished recording my audio book. So it is in public, it's in the process of publication. So that will be releasing in the fall. And I'm, I'm excited Ooh. about that because when I, I wrote my book uh, just under a year ago and it came out and um, I use it with a lot of my work, but the audio book is going to be so much more fun and readily available for people because if they're like me, they multitask and listen to things all the time. So I'm excited for that. You're making me feel guilt on that. No. <laughs> one. Right? When my, my book came out, no, my book came out October of last year. It did very well. Uh, number one, Amazon bestseller in HR. We were really excited and day one since it was launched i've been emailed like when's the audiobook so that's so funny rami you have to do it because it's funny i, I was at an well, event with a gentleman that was you know he he had he had a publisher and i i did i choose i went with mm -hmm. a professional publishing group but i self published and i wanted to do okay. that intentionally and he looked at me and he said i can't do my audiobook my publisher won't allow it so if you if you have control you need to go do it honest to goodness that was the impetus I was with one of my clients at an offsite, and this was one of the ad speakers. And I literally came, and that was it. I said, I've got to do this. And um, it's super fun. The experience is awesome. That's another podcast series we'll talk about. But yeah, so I'm going to launch mm -hmm. it. And I, uh, I'm excited about that launch because I didn't really launch my book. I published it to use with my clients. So I didn't do a big uh, social media launch, so to speak. It's not necessary, mm -hmm. but I'm excited with the... So you're going to use the audio book as I the am, launch. I am. And I'm great. excited about yeah. that. And then... Um, you know, and lastly, I've got some workshops coming up and I, I have a, a client. Ooh. I think one of the things I'm most excited about is one of my newer clients in the past six months. They've been going through some pretty incredible changes at the executive level. And um, I, I'm, I'm super excited to watch their journey over the next few months because there's dramatic changes coming. They're a publicly traded company and I, I love being a part of their journey. Mm. But mostly what I love is watching the leadership just come into their own even stronger and, and, and more directionally focused. So I'm super excited to watch their journey over the next few months. Busy yeah. couple months for yeah. you. I, uh, that's, that's, that's awesome to hear. Now, when is your uh, conference this that you're going a, to? It's when, a, what, what date it's is that? This is August 8th we're August. recording this, but this um, won't come so out it's, it's the okay. last weekend in August. So that'll be in the past by the time yes. this comes out. But uh, we'll talk at the end how they can look you up and super, see what else super. is going on in your, in your uh, calendar. So I, I got a couple of rapid fire questions. These are just questions that I think let us distill some of the great uh, knowledge and stuff we picked up. If you could recommend one book to go on your bookshelf or to read, preferably, to go alongside People Processes, my book, and write uh, uh, Leadership by Choice, what book would you recommend to uh, an executive or, or a CEO 
trying to uh, okay so i'm knowledge. i'm gonna cheat because i have to have two so i have the oh i can no, only, you can only have, have one. one no okay no you can you can no i'm just kidding okay no so you can do the two. one that is most highlighted <laughs> and dog-eared from years past that has always been an awesome book is the power of focus by Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, and Les Hewitt. Loved, 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 loved that book. Uh, really, it's an oldie, mm. but it's so good. So good. Um, and that just, you know, it's it's got more yellow in it and dog ears than, than many of the leadership books I <laughs> or books on team. And I've read so many. Um, and then the second book is the book that I go to daily. And it's now, and hear me before, it's the Life Application Study Bible. And regardless of your faith, I love studying Christ as a leader. And the reason I say the study Bible is because there's there's a lot of text beneath the biblical, the physical biblical text that would take a, a layperson and just sort of guide them through the time and the decisions and the, the the things that were going on. But I love, I just love, I learned so much about how to communicate, be with people, and and I. I just love the historical element of it. Being someone that was never a history person, I've of now in these years really appreciated history, regardless of what one's faith is. But it's a study Bible. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's very key. It's got to be a study Bible that gives you sort of that lecture series at the bottom of the text, so to speak. Well, well, there will be links in the description below to both of those on Amazon. I, I did have to verify. There's actually a couple of books um, that are, the power of focus. So I wanted to verify, you said that was the one uh, by Jack Canfield and, and the rest, right? Jack yeah, Canfield. Right. Yeah. Mark Victor Hansen and Les Hewitt. Evil Brian Tracy has put a, has a power of focus book right at the top. So I, had to, I know. <laughs> I like some of his stuff too. I'm just kidding. But I know, I know. It's all good. It's But I love that. So we'll put the links to those two below. All right. So going back, if you could whisper in your ear, there it was the day you decided to uh, form your own company. And you could give yourself one piece of advice. What would you tell yourself back on that first day of starting your company? Um, I would say, remember, you are perfectly imperfect. Just plow through the obstacles, get them behind you, keep learning. They'll keep coming and just move Mm. forward. If you're moving forward, you're moving. If you're standing still, you're not moving. And if you're pausing, you're moving backwards. Exactly. Blaze through it. Awesome. Okay. Outside of that, what is the best business advice you've ever heard that someone's told you? Some really cool business advice. Um, I think one that I always go back to, and it, it sort of fuels a lot of what I do and what I talk to CEOs about is and leaders. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, that resonated with me years and years ago leading a team, and it made me pause and stop talking <laughs> And listen more and really invest in my people, Um, that the people are everything in a business, regardless of how large or small it is. Um, Even in the startup companies with, you know, one marketing associate, you know, we, we had an agreement together that I would invest in her and her development. And she knew I cared. And as a result of that, you know, and this is consistent in all of the companies I've worked with, you know, when people know how much you really care about them and their development and growth and their direction, they dig in, they roll up their sleeves and they're so loyal. And uh, 
it's just been profoundly impactful for me. Well, on that, our, our podcast is called People Processes, of course. We think a lot about the systems and processes around business, specifically around the people element of businesses. What would you say would be maybe a policy, procedure, system, or training that's had a, the largest effect that you've seen, either on your company or on your clients? And is it something related to making employees or trying to extend that trust that you do care about them? Um, and what's that look like? Yeah, so so it's funny. The training that probably has impacted me the most, both in my own business, and I work with a lot of 1099s, and so I have a team of independents. Mm-hmm. And then I work with, obviously, larger executive and teams of different organizations, both big companies and nonprofits and small. But really, my coach, my coaching training that I received from IPEC and what that training did for me, and it's actually communicated a lot in my book, um, which also contributed to sort of how the business is running, is it really mm-hmm. taught me a better, a deeper appreciation for what it meant to be genuinely curious around people and to allow yourself to be present in the moment and listen and dispel judgment. And with that, through that training and the coaching training, and obviously I'm a coach, but I work with my leaders and I actually try to teach them and model how to get a coaching style of leadership so that they can be people centric. And then, and the value of that, and therefore the value of investing in systems and other non-people related, non-people dependent, like face-to-face that can free them up to do that. Because the challenge that I find with these with CEOs and leaders is they're caught up in details that they don't need to be caught up in that's taking away from their time of being present and curious for mm. their people in the moment. So a less focus on the minutia and more on the holistic person or the ability to at least focus on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it seems it can be, you know, I was in the military. I'm sort of a get it done person. That can sound fluffy to some but people. You got to get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I always, I use, but, but the truth is your greatest asset are your people. Mm-hmm. And that's the one asset too, that there's no cookie cutter approach. Right. Right. You can get a systems for for payroll, you can get systems for communication, but when it comes down to people management, you, that presence and, and and connection, that requires a person. Exactly. And you've got to free yourself up from the other things that are pulling you away from your ability to be there. So it was in my coach training, you know, when I went through the, the IPEC certification as part of forming my business, I became incredibly profoundly aware of the value that that could have to a much greater mm-hmm. degree than I'd had through all of my years um, leading and, and working with teams. Absolutely. And, and as, of course, our listeners know, our, our company, Poplar Financial, we focus on designing and implementing those HR systems, like you mentioned, payroll, benefits, timekeeping, retirement, uh, absence management, scheduling, all these kind of pieces. And you have to systematize them to free you up to actually work with your people. The, it blows me away uh, the number of 10-man companies or 100-man companies who are, or 1,000-man companies for that matter, who are investing so much time in routine monkey work that can be automated. Yes. So that they, and, and, and if they can get that off their desk, they can do so much more. I do have one add-on though, which is that when it comes to those those ways of interacting with people, 
I believe you do need a process. It may not be a technological constraint. I, I don't think it should be a lot of times. But if you don't have a way of repeating it and doing it consistently, then you don't have a way of doing it. And that's one thing I often come up against with uh, HR trainers and coaches. They have great ideas. They have awesome ways of doing things. But unless you systematize it, even though it's a personal matter, it's not a computer, unless you make a process for it to happen every time, I feel like you can't improve it over time and you have trouble maintaining it consistently. So we try to push both sides. You're a- I think you're absolutely right. No, you, you're right. And the, the process, it's interesting. The process liberates you to be present. Exactly. When you have a process and you have a system in place of accountability and data, you know, in place, it just, it allows you to be more present with your people. And it also keeps you on track. So it, I, I couldn't agree awesome. more. Well, our listeners, I'm sure, are uh, want to know where to find you, Sue. If they were looking, I, I have two questions for you. One is, if someone's listening to this podcast right now, what situation are they in or what does that person look like that they should contact you? We have people from all walks of life, um, from HR managers to payroll techs to business owners to CEOs, nonprofit leaders. Who's the person listening? What are they? What position are they in? What are they? What are they facing as a challenge? That means they should reach out to you. And how should they do that? Great question. It's, it's a loaded question. I like could explode with all the answers. No, so I know. I tried. Like, I tried. I put a bunch of preface on there because guys are because I have so many uh, interviewees who are like, well, if you have a pulse, go to at Sue. I know. And I know. Message me. It's like I know. No, no. It's terrible. And you know, it's like focus, focus. Right? What was the book I said? The power That's of focus. Right. And now I'm going to totally contradict myself. But love me for who I am, and forgive me for what I'm not. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll study like that. So. If you if you're a a, a leader of a, a higher level team, and I say this because first of all I, I love every team, but I, what I find is these higher level, these executive teams, these senior leadership teams, typically are the teams that need equally as much support, but they have fewer people to talk to because the higher in the organization you go, the fewer people you can talk to about challenges. Mm-hmm. So if you're an HR leader and the core the, the core leadership team seems to be struggling with, they're all great people, highly, highly successful, but not necessarily gelling the way they could to maximize the, the opportunity for the organization. That's, that's my, my mm-hmm. passion because it, it's real and it's, it's you're not alone in this and the people are great it's just sometimes the nuances of putting a bunch of great people together at the thanksgiving table everybody doesn't always play nice or figure it all out you <laughs> <Right>. know <laughs> um the, the the second person that that i i work pretty closely with you know you're you might be you might be at a place in your career or in your own business you've got great ideas you're super motivated and you can't get there fast enough, or there's something that is in your way and you just can't quite either figure out what's stalling you or what's blocking you, I want to talk to you because we, we are our, first of all, we're, we know ourselves better than anyone. You know yourself better than anyone. You don't need me to tell you who you are, but what I can help you with sometimes is figure out what that thing is that's getting in your way, figure out a way to get over it so that you can get where you want to go. That's awesome. All right, Sue, how should people find you? So the best way is LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn, Sue Salvamini, or an easy way to remember is go to leadershipbychoice.com. That's my book that actually routes you to my website. But if you type in leadershipbychoice.com, that'll bring you to a page on my website, which is focalpointinc.com. 
That's great. Okay. Leadershipbychoice.com will have links below. Focal Point Inc. will have that link below. And of course, Sue's LinkedIn page. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Sue, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Rami. It was such a pleasure. All right. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Sue has dropped some great lessons. I think uh, some of the focus in, especially on uh, the early part of a business where you're having to make things work, but you need to let parts that aren't working go. Uh, It's a great lesson. We've got links to the book she recommended, of course, her site below, um, her leadership training. It sounds like an excellent investment for many uh, organizations out there that are listening. In the meantime, check us out at LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Send us any questions you have. If there's anything you want us to follow up with Sue about, we'd love to do it. We'll post it on social media. I appreciate you listening. And now it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.